It's good to see you all here this morning. We're going to continue this morning in our series on the minor prophets. We only have two left, and that would be Zechariah and Malachi. Uh, Zechariah is the second to last book in the Old Testament. And I think if if the Old Testament had a book of Revelations, it would be the book of Zechariah. There are many similarities there in the style and the way it, it talks to us. It's filled with visions and signs of things that were and things that are and things that were to come. <clears throat> and the book is a large book. Uh, it contains 14 chapters. And you might say, then, why is it a minor prophet? I thought they were all small. Uh, but the book of Zechariah uh, happens during the same time as Haggai, which Matt talked about last week. And so uh, it would be appropriate that it would follow Haggai in the Bible. Um, he talks... He's at the same place and, and, and around the same people at the same time. Zechariah was a young man. He was a very young prophet. And his prophecies were delivered in 520 B.C. to God's people after they returned from captivity in Babylon to Jerusalem. And if you remember from Matt's lesson about 70 years before, uh, the, Babylonian, the Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar, took Jerusalem captive, the people of Jerusalem, and destroyed the, the city and brought them all back to captivity in Babylon. And uh, then when Persia conquered Babylon, the king of Persia... Uh, Cyrus allowed these Jews to go back and rebuild the city. And Nehemiah says that Zechariah was one, one of the, those people who went back uh, to rebuild this city with his family. And the book of Zechariah begins uh, a lot like the rest of the, the prophets, although it's very different. It begins... Uh, with God calling his people to repentance. He says in Zechariah 1 and verse 3, Therefore say to them, says the Lord of hosts, Return to me and I will return to you. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. Repentance is something we have to do every day because we all sin and we all struggle with that. As the Apostle Paul wrote, I die daily. So God is still calling his people to repent. Well, three months after this, God sends this young prophet a series of eight visions. And in the first vision, it's nighttime, and 
he sees this man riding on a horse, a red horse. And the man comes and stops in this hollow of, of myrtle trees. And behind this man on the red horse, there are other horses, red and white and speckled. And Zechariah says to the man on the horse, what are these? And the man who he identifies as the angel of the Lord replies to Zechariah and says, these are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and throw throughout the earth. And then the horses behind him begin to speak. And they say, we have walked to and fro throughout the earth. And behold, all the earth is resting quietly. And then the angel of the Lord prays to God. He says, oh Lord God, how long? How long will you not have mercy on your people? On Jerusalem, which you were angry these 70 years. And so God replies that I am zealous for Jerusalem. He says, I was very angry, and I am very angry with the nations at ease. He said, I was a little angry, and they helped, but they did it with evil intent. He says, but now I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy and my house will be built in it. Now, although God was angry with Israel because of their lack of faith and their disobedience to him, and he allowed the nations around them to overtake them, to take them captive and to destroy the city, he said, those nations didn't do it because they believed in me and they were following me. They did it for their own purposes, their own greed and their own selfish intentions. He says, so I am going to, just, to take away what they had gained and take it back and give it to Jerusalem again. And then Zechariah looks up and he sees four horns. And he asks the angel of the Lord, what are these? And he replies, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. And then he sees four craftsmen coming. And he says to the man, he says, what are they coming to do? And he says, the craftsmen are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horn against the land of Judah, to scatter it. Now, after this, the prophet looks up again, and he sees this man holding a measuring line. And Zechariah, he talks to this man and he asks him, where are you going? 
And the man replies to measure Jerusalem, to see what, it, it, what is its width and its length. And as the man is speaking, another angel comes and approaches him. And he says this to the angel. He says, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. And then God and God says to flee and to escape the land of Babylon because he is going to punish the nations of Israel. In Zechariah 2 and 10, he says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people. And I will dwell in your midst. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. There is, there is a parallel running through the book of, of this book of Zechariah. It is a type, a shadow. And as they are rebuilding the city of Jerusalem and is having that built. There is this type running through of Christ building his heavenly city. The new Jerusalem, which is the church. And if you are mindful of this as you're reading this book, it makes a lot more sense and you can get a lot more out of it. And so a lot of these things are written to us and for this first century church as that church is being built and they are struggling against the people who are trying to stop them. And I just wanted you to keep that in mind. So after this, the prophet is shown a vision of Joshua. And standing next to Joshua, opposing him, fighting against him, is none other than Satan himself. And then the Lord says to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not the brand plucked from the fire? And as the prophet watches, Joshua's clothes are filthy. They're soiled and filthy and dirty. And the Lord says, take away the filthy garments from him. And then to Joshua, to him, he says, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. And I will clothe you with rich robes. And then suddenly Zechariah cries out, put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head 
and clean clothes on Joshua. I believe this is telling us that God is going to pull his people out of the fire where Satan wants them, where Satan wants us to dwell with him. God is going to pull us out of that. And those filthy garments which we have stained, the garments of sin, he is going to take away and replace with clean garments. And his people will be made clean. And then God says in Zechariah 3 and verse 8, God says, Behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Both Isaiah and Jeremiah spoke of the Messiah, the son of David, as the branch of righteousness. And the stone and the vine, they are both uh, used to, to reference Christ, so Jesus Christ in the Bible. I believe here it's telling us that a day is coming when the Lord who sees all things is going to write his name on his people and remove their sins. And then the angel returns and he shakes the prophet Zechariah and he wakes him up. And he asked them, what do you see? And Zechariah says, I am looking. And I see a golden lampstand. With seven lamps. With pipes. And there is a bowl on top of it. And two olive trees, one on each side. And then he asked the angel, what are these things? And the angel seems surprised that he doesn't know what these are. And he says, do you not know what these are? And Zechariah says, no, I don't know what they are. And so the angel says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He says that the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hand shall also finish it. Then you will know, then you will know that I am the Lord, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord, and you will know that the Lord of hosts sent me to you. You will know that. Okay. Hopefully this will make less distracting. Now if you remember from Matt's lesson last week, 
Zechariah, or Zerubbabel. He mentioned Zerubbabel here. Zerubbabel was the governor, the civic leader, the governor of Jerusalem when, as they were rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. And he was leading these efforts. And these efforts kept getting stalled. On the one hand, by outsiders meddling, and also by Israel's general lack of faith. And God wanted them not to, not to go by their own might and strength and power in rebuilding this city, but by faith in God. Finish the work by faith in God, not by your own might and power. And then, I guess it didn't really answer his question, so Zechariah again asks about these two olive trees. He says, what are they? And the angel seems surprised. He says, don't you know what these are? And he says, no, I don't know. I don't know. And so the angel says, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. And there are identical images here in Revelations. These words are the same in Revelations 11. Now, if what I read about this is true, supposedly this represents the spiritual and the civil leaders in Israel. And it does make sense if that's the case. And so that would be Zerubbabel, who was the governor, and uh, Joshua, who was the high priest. These two. And we'll come back to that later because this, this reoccurs later in the book. And then Zechariah turns and he sees this huge scroll flying across the sky, all around the sky. And the angel, perhaps knowing he's going to ask, goes ahead and says what this is. He says, this is the curse the curse that goes out over the whole earth. And he says one side of the scroll has every thief that will be expelled. And the other side talks about how everyone who swears falsely will be expelled. Now some speculate that this is the two types of sin the sin against your fellow man and the sin against God. And if that's the case, it could be like the Ten Commandments, for example, the law of God. But I'm not sure. In any case, then God tells the prophet that he is sending out this curse and it's going to enter the houses of these, these sinners and consume their house. 
And then the angel comes closer to Zechariah. And he tells him to look up now and see. And the prophet looks and he says, what is it? And he says, it is a basket going forth. And in that basket, there's a, there's a woman. And his woman is sitting in the basket. And he says, and he says that this is wickedness. This, he says, is wickedness. And then he thrusts this woman down into the basket. And beside the basket is this lead disc. And he puts the disc over the top of this basket, trapping her inside. And then Zechariah looks again and he sees these two other women and these two other women are flying across the sky because they have wings. And the prophet says, where? And they, they, these, these women with wings come down and they grab each a side of the basket. And they take the basket and they take it off into the sky. And Zechariah says, why are they taking the basket? And he said to me, he said to me, to build a house for it in Shinar. And when it is ready, the basket will be set there on its base. Now, Shinar, from what I read, is Babylon. That is Babylon. And... I had some ideas of that, about this and I threw it away, but I'll just say that, that obviously wickedness, this is wickedness, is going to be contained somehow and taken to another place and contained at least for some amount of time. So that appears to be what I know about this. Now. There's one more vision. And in this final vision, Zechariah sees four chariots. And these four chariots are pulled by horses of different color, red, black, white, and a spotted horse. And they're pulling these chariots between these two mountains of brass. And the prophet asks, what are these? And the angel says, these are the four spirits of heaven going out before the Lord. And he says, the black one is going to the north country. And the white one is following the black one. And then God speaks. And he tells the prophet that this black horse and this white horse are going to give rest to my people in the north country. And then the spotted horse is going to the people of the south. <clears throat> now there is 
a lot of speculation about what this means. And some people say it is the four winds of heaven that Daniel spoke of. Other people think that it's the four horsemen in the book of Revelation. And I don't know for sure what it means. I, I was thinking, however, it's possible if, if the black horse, what if it's the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, this is just an idea. What if this is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The black horse could represent death, darkness and death, the black horse. And the white horse that's following it, if that is light and life, could it be the death and resurrection? And it is going to give rest or comfort to his people who are in captive by sin. I don't know. That, that was an idea that came to me as I was reading it. Um, but you may have a better understanding of these visions and what they mean. And I, I would love to hear like Michael or his dad talk about just a whole series on the book of Zechariah. I think there's a lot in here and meanings that uh, we can get out of these visions like he did for Revelation, such an awesome job. But anyway, after, after these visions, we have to go on. After these visions, God tells Zechariah to take silver and gold and make this elaborate crown. And put it on the head of Joshua the high priest. And tell Joshua, after you put this crown on him, behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out. And he shall build the temple of the Lord. And he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. The day is coming when these two olive trees shall become one. Both the civil and the spiritual leader shall be one. Both the king and the high priest will be one when the branch, the prince of peace, rules on his throne. Then in chapter 7, two years pass after this. Two years have passed and people are coming into the temple in Jerusalem and they're asking the priest there, if they should keep fasting and mourning like they have done all these 70 years. And then God speaks to Zechariah and he says, go and tell the people and the priests, did you fast and mourn for me these 70 years? Did you do that for me? 
for me? No, you ate and drank for yourselves. God says, what I wanted you to do, what I want you to do now is obey me. Obey me. That's what I want. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, the rest of the book is a series of prophecies. It's just full of prophecies about the Messiah, about the coming Christ. And there are a lot of them. And we don't have time today to go into a lot of detail about all these prophecies. So I'm just going to go through some of them really quickly, some of the ones that you might recognize that have happened. In chapter 8, he says, Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And in verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and will bring them back, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. In verse 23, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from every language of the nation shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And then in chapter 9, and verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Most of you will recognize this as happening when Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And in verse 15, they shall be filled with blood like basins, like the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people. For they shall be like the jewels of a crown, lifted like a banner over the land. The blood of the sacrifice will be in God's people. And then chapter 11, God speaks against the leaders of Israel who were leading the people to slaughter. Zechariah 11 and verse 12, Then I said to them, If it is agreeable to you, give me my wages, and if not, refrain. So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter. That princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and I threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. 
You might recognize this account as what Judas did. The leaders of Israel paid him to betray the Lord. And then he threw the 30 pieces of silver at their feet. And they used it to purchase the potter field. And then chapter 12, in verse 10, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they will look on me whom they pierced. A reference to the Lord Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross and those soldiers pierced his side with the spear. And then chapter 13. In that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And in verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And then finally in the last chapter, chapter 14, he says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. He says, And then in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. And in both summer and winter this shall occur. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one, and his name is one. Striking imagery and pictures of things that were to come, that the prophet foretold. A week ago, I was at home, and I, my doorbell rang in my house, and there were these two young men at my door. And each of them had this little book. And as they talked to me, they seemed very concerned about my soul. And they earnestly told me about this prophet this Joe Smith dude who saw, they claimed, a vision from God. And they say, said in this vision, God told him about how his word had been corrupted. And they, he, he revealed to him things about Jesus Christ that I needed to know. What do you say to someone like this? Now, how do we know that these visions are true or not? How do you know? I mean, anybody could claim to be a prophet. Anybody could claim to have seen a vision. I could claim to have seen a vision. How do you know what is true? Well, God knew that there would be false prophets 
He knew this. And so he gave us a way to know. He said over and over again, when you see these things come to pass, then you will know that I have spoken to you. When all of these things come to pass, only then you will know that these prophets were speaking the truth. And so that's what I told basically these young men as I turned them away. I don't know what Joseph Smith saw. I don't know if he made it up. I don't know if he was hallucinating. I don't know what he saw. But I know what these prophets saw. I know what they saw. And I know they spoke the truth because everything they said came true. Everything they spoke about happened. Things about nations that conquering other nations and details about the enemies of God's people. Things that they could not have known that would happen hundreds of years in the future. They all came to pass exactly like they said. So I know they were speaking the truth. And we can be confident in this truth. We can be confident in what they said and what they promised and what we know is to come. Are you a part of this heavenly kingdom that was prophesied today? Just like, just like the Jews that fled the captivity in Babylon to the city of Jerusalem. We can flee the captivity of sin today and come to this heavenly city, the city of Christ, the city of, of the new Jerusalem, the heavenly kingdom, which is Christ's church. And in this city, there is a fountain a fountain of living water that flows from Jesus Christ who is sitting on his throne. And with that fountain, all who will drink can be healed. And we can have those garments, those garments that are stained, that are dirty, that are filthy, that you may be wearing today because of sin that can be removed it can be completely removed and be made clean and God will put clean clothes on you if you need that today if you need to be cleansed won't you come sit on the front pew as we stand and sing